Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. CTFM, this is Eyewitness News from number 11, Dr. Martin Loop in Adabraka in Accra. With me, Ni Lati Lati. This evening, I'm here with Netelinete Ajahu. And coming up in the next 90 minutes, President Ekufado fights back, claims government has recklessly borrowed with nothing to show in his six years of government. Not only that, he has in addition rejected the audit report on COVID 19 expenses. The crisis that they were led to believe we were all in together was abused for personal gain. It was government that asked for the COVID funds to be audited. And I can show this house that nothing dishonorable was done with the COVID fund. Also tonight, Ghana armed forces under fire over its strong defense of military deployment in Asaiman, an exercise that has seen many residents subjected to severe beatings following the killing of a soldier. Still on Eyewitness News, Opposition National Democratic Congress orders its MPs not to move out of Parliament for the next 23 days and suspend campaigns for parliamentary primaries. We'll find out reasons for that directive. And later, that experience of a lifetime on CTTV and CTFM's Heritage Caravan is still on as patrons on the trip move from Savannah to the Bono region on day 5 of the Funfield Tour. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on these and other stories on Eyewitness News and in business. The Ghana Stock Exchange to institute more measures to ensure listed companies adhere to ECG reporting. And that is in 15 minutes. Eyewitness News is live across the country on Eagle FM 94.1 in Waliwale in the Northeast region, West Link 88.1 FM in Laura in the Upper West region, Wed FM 88.3 in Zarungu in the Upper East region, Dasoma 99.1 FM in Yendi in the Northern region, Heritage FM 107.3 in Hohoi, and Aquini Radio 96.7 MHz in Pando Booth in the Volta region. If you are listening to us in the Ashanti region, welcome to Orange FM 107.9 in Kumase. Greener 95.9 in Sunyane in the Bonu region, Beach 105.5 FM and Premier FM 100.5 both in Takrade in the Western region. The show is also live on Facebook on City 97.3 FM and also on YouTube on CityTube. Eyewitness News is interactive. Tell us what you make of the story. Share your views and thoughts via WhatsApp on 0549-986-996. 0549-986-996. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. My name is Ni Lati Lati here with Netele Nete Ajahu. This evening, our first story has to do with President Kufado's presentation of the 2023 State of the Nations Address in Parliament. 
President Akufado has jumped to the defense of his ministers of health and finance with regards to claims of the misuse of COVID-19 funds. The Auditor General in its 2020 reports on government's COVID-19 expenses revealed that out of the $2.5 billion mobilized for the fight against the pandemic, only 25% representing 5.5 million Ghana cities was used for on health. According to the reports, the remainder of the monies was spent on government programs such as Free SHS and LEAP, among others. The report by the Auditor General led to a series of demands by the minority group in Parliament calling for the heads of the two ministers. Addressing Parliament today on the state of the nation, Nana Akufado said his ministers did nothing wrong with the COVID-19 funds, as claimed by the minority and the Auditor General. Mr. Speaker, it is precisely because the economic fallout from the pandemic is so widespread and long-lasting that it is important to show clearly that the COVID-19 funds, COVID funds were not misused. It is critical that we do not lose the confidence of the people that a crisis that they were led to believe we were all in together was abused for personal gain. It was government that asked for the COVID funds to be audited. And I can assure this House that nothing dishonorable was done with the COVID fund. The responses from the Ministers for Health and Finance on January 23rd and 25th, 2023, respectfully, have sufficiently laid to rest the queries from the Auditor General's report. And I believe any objective scrutiny of these statements from the Health and Finance Ministries would justify this conclusion. We did provide 518 million CDs of grants and loans to micro, small, and medium-scale enterprises through the NBSSI, now the Ghana Enterprise Agency. It was 302,515 enterprises benefited. Over 60% were women-owned. These were MSMSEs that were in distrust, in distress, as a result of the pandemic. For some traders, the receipt of 1,000 CDs made the difference between the ruin of the household and survival. In addition, 58,041 health workers were empowered to supplement the existing health sector workforce. Subsequently, all of them have been absorbed as permanent workers in the health sector. Frontline health workers were also granted 50% tax relief for the period. Was that something to regret? The president also slammed critics who have accused his government of borrowing recklessly and spending with little to account for. According to him, his government has not been reckless as debts currently being serviced was not only contracted during his administration. The country's debt has ballooned from 120 billion Ghana cities to 450 billion Ghana cities in six years, with many accusing the government of irresponsibly borrowing and recklessly spending same. Addressing the parliament today, the president said all money spent by his government went into projects he describes as urgent. Beyond the use of COVID funds, there are legitimate questions being asked about how the country's debt situation got to where it is. Mr. Speaker, let me state emphatically that we have not been reckless in borrowing 
and in spending. It is worth noting that the debts we are serving were not only contracted during the period of this administration. Mr. Speaker, we will spend money on things that are urgent, to build roads and bridges and schools, to train our young people and equip them to face a competitive world. Considering the amount of work that still needs to be done on the state of our roads, the bridges that have to be built, considering the number of classrooms that need to be built, the furniture and equipment needs at all stages of equipment, of education, considering the number of children who should be in school and are not, considering the number of towns and villages that still do not have access to potable water, I dare say no one can suggest we have overborrowed or spent reckless. Yes, I've been in a hurry to get things done. And this includes massive developments in agriculture, education, health, irrigation, roads, rails, ports, airports, sea defense, digitization, social protection programs, industrialization, and tourism. We can be proud of the many things that we have managed to do in the past six years. As I go around the country, I hear the pleas for more roads, schools, hospitals, and as the rainy season comes, I wish, as every other Ghanaian does, that we would have built more drains than we have. And I wish we had the resources to do more. And Mr. Speaker, I'm proud of the amount of work that we have done. The president also reiterated government's commitment to another payment of coupons and maturing principles of bondholders. Governments failed to pay the coupons on bonds that were not tendered for the DDE, but that matured on the 6th and 20th of February this year. The bondholders sought explanation from the Minister of Finance for the delay. The finance minister in a statement assured that payment of coupons will resume on March 13. Addressing Parliament again, President Akufuado said despite the opposition, 85% participation rate illustrates a successful domestic debt exchange program. It is clear that given the extent of the fiscal and debt sustainability issue we are addressing, fiscal adjustments and structural reforms are not sufficient for restoration of debt sustainability. A critical component of the measures we're implementing to address the current economic crisis is the debt operation involving both domestic debt and external debt. The debt operation is aimed at returning the country to debt sustainable path by 2028 by reducing the debt to GDP ratio on a general classification basis and in present value terms from 103% in 2022 to 55% by 2028, and reducing the external debt service to revenue ratio from 29% in 2022 to 18% by 2028. Mr. Speaker, in order to achieve these goals, the decision was taken to execute a domestic debt exchange program, in addition to fiscal adjustment, external debt operation, and structural reform. The participation rate of 85%, representing tendered bonds of 83 billion CDs, out of the total eligible bonds of 97.7 billion CDs, constitutes significant success for the DDE program. The 83 billion CDs bonds that were successfully tendered 
also represents 64% of the outstanding domestic debt of 130 billion CDs at the end of December 2022, as pension funds have been expressly exempted from the DEP. I want to take this opportunity to thank organized labor, pensioners, pension fund managers, the Ghana Association of Banks, the Ghana Securities Industry Association, the Ghana Insurance Association, the Individual Bondholders and Retirees Forum, and all others who have contributed to make the debt, domestic debt exchange program a success. Mr. Speaker, I know it has been said over and over again in the past weeks, but the voluntary nature of the DDE program bears repeating, as is the fact that the government is committed to honoring all coupon payments and maturities in respect of both old bonds and the new bonds in line with government fiscal commitments. President Akufuado also added that government is on course in its negotiations with Chinese creditors over Ghana's debt restructuring agenda. We're also making progress on the external debt negotiations since the government announced an external debt service suspension on 19th December 2022 for certain categories of external debt to ensure an orderly restructuring. This suspension is an interim emergency measure toward a comprehensive external debt operation which will contribute to the restoration of our debt sustainability in line with our request for debt treatment under the G20 Common Framework. I want to express our appreciation to members of the Paris Club and to the People's Republic of China for the cooperation they have so far exhibited to us in attempting to reach an agreement and in their attempt to establish an official credit committee. We look forward to their fast-tracking the needed financing assurances for IMF approval. We are confident that with their cooperation, we will reach our March deadline for going to the fund. So speak, we remain resolute in our vision to restore macroeconomic stability and promote inclusive growth. Mr. Speaker, government recognizes that sustained growth must be deliberate, especially in a global landscape marked by forces of technology trend, trade and intense competition. It requires a combination of leadership, social cohesion, and deep investments in core capabilities of people, firms, and institutions to harness our opportunities. That is why, together with our private sector counterparts, we're anchoring Ghana's medium-term growth drivers on competitiveness, integration, adaptation, and digital innovation, all aimed at raising per capita GDP from the current $2,500 to $4,500, aligning with the Ghana Beyond Aid Charter by 2020. On the ongoing issue of vaccine shortages in the country, the president indicated that he is concerned about the situation. He, however, urged parents to send their children for vaccination once the vaccines are procured and supplied. Mr. Speaker, I must say, however, that the current shortage of some childhood vaccines in the country has concerned me greatly. This shortage, if prolonged, 
will affect negatively Ghana's childhood immunization program, which has been recognized as one of the most successful in the world. The WHO has only recently expressed worry about a steady decline in measles vaccination coverage globally because of the concentration on the fight against COVID-19. In accordance with our desire not to become part of this global trend, government has taken steps to ensure the stocks of these vehicles, vaccines are procured and supplied as a matter of urgency and emergency. The Ghana Health Service has developed an elaborate program to catch up on children who have missed their vaccine immediately stocks arrive. Mr. Speaker, I want to encourage all parents and caregivers to ensure that eligible children are vaccinated once this program begins. No child should be denied access to vaccination. Mercifully so far, mercifully so far, mercifully so far, not a single child has died as a result of the outbreak. This House has already passed into law the National Vaccine Institute bill which is yet to be brought from my assent. In the near future, this institute will ensure that no matter what happens to the global vaccine supply chain, we can produce our own vaccines locally. That was President Akufuadu speaking there. So those were actually stories from today's presentation of the State of the Nation Address in Parliament by President Ekufuado. So if you go to our website, citynewsroom.com, for instance, you have a raft of stories there for you. Let me run by you some of the headlines. Uh, we didn't misuse COVID funds. Nanado speaking there. We have not been reckless in borrowing and spending. Also, shortage of childhood vaccines worrying. We built more rules than any government in the Fourth Republic, President Ekufuado there. Good for oil policy already uh, yielding uh, fruit. And so those are some of the stories on our website, citynewsroom.com. We also have the full address by the president also available on the site. I want to now bring in the member of parliament for Ningo Pram Pram, Samuel Nati George, so that we have a conversation on the presentation. Uh, good evening to you, Honorable. Two quick things. And I, uh, and you, and I mean... Uh, your caucus, that's the minority in parliament, have accused uh, the president of reckless borrowing and also misappropriation of COVID-19 funds. But today when he appeared in parliament, he said no, he has not been reckless and not misused COVID-19 funds. Well, good evening to you and good evening to our listeners. I think it was the most distasteful comment anyone occupying the highest office of the land would make. The, the president sought to whitewash corruption today. And like I've always said, the president is a big beneficiary of the things that he defends. He's the bearing agent extraordinaire of corruption in our country, ensuring that his appointees continue to misappropriate corrupt uh, uh, proceeds of corruption in government. How can the president say to us that there, there is no evidence of reckless spending? When in 2020... 2021, when there, there was a lockdown, when the borders were closed, no flights were allowed in or out of Ghana. His Ministry of Health spent 36 million on conferences during COVID when we were in lockdown. 
his Ministry of Health spent 36 million Ghana cities on conferences. And the president says that that is not corruption. The president says that everything is kosher with the expenditure that was done. The president has the effrontery to question the legitimacy and authenticity of the Auditor General's report on COVID-19 expenditure. I mean, when you have a president who has, has literally cleared every appointee of his who's been whether caught on tape right in the act of corruption, or there is glaring evidence that even a blind man can see and the deaf can hear that this is corruption. President Akufuado has failed to see or hear corruption. Why won't he come and stand aloof in parliament before the world, the international community, and say that as far as he's concerned, there's been no reckless spending? If there has been no reckless spending, we should not be hand in hand before the IMF begging for a paltry $3 billion when resources that were made available to him came to a total of $7 billion. He had resources in the last 18 months or in the 18 months of COVID ravaged, totaling $7 billion. Today, we are, we are doing a lasso lala begging the IMF, small boys in jackets in Wall Street, for $3 billion. And the president has the F-100 to say that there was no reckless spending. Is it the, was that not the basis for him to have made the unguided comments of saying that nobody will receive a haircut and people have not just received haircuts but haircuts? I mean, look, we have a president whose word is not worth the paper on which it is written because he cannot be trusted to be honest and to speak with candor. And, and I mean, the president displayed it today. He displayed it today. I, I, I cringed. And, and the, for the media men who were in parliament post the interviews, when President Kofor was leaving, I was granting an interview. I actually broke the interview and made a comment to President Kofor, and he just smiled and called me a bad boy. But he agreed with the point I was making, that it is, it is unbecoming and unthinkable that President Akufuado will have the effrontery and the temerity to address this country when President Kofor is sitting there and say that he, President Akufuado, has done more infrastructure than any president in the Fourth Republic. And mind you, I didn't even make reference to President Mahama because President Mahama, when it comes to infrastructure, is in a league of his, of his own on, in this Fourth Republic. No president comes close to him. But even with President Kufo, who is of the Dankwa Buzia Dombo stock, President Akufado is not fit to lace his shoes when it comes to infrastructure. Because at least you can credit President Kufo with some dualization of portions of the Akra Kumasi Road. You can credit him with the Cape Coast Yaburansa uh, 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 road that he, he worked on. What has President Akufuado Which project has he commenced and completed in his six years in office? He should show us. What can he show for increasing our debt stock from 120 billion? Well, Mr. Sam George, uh, before we come to all these issues, let's stay with the uh, COVID-19 expenses. Uh, because the president actually said no matter how bad the situation is, the funds were used in the interest of Ghanaians, in fact, to protect lives and also to sustain the economy. And he also made reference to the explanations provided by the ministers for health and finance that all those expenses were made in accordance with the Public Financial Management Act and also with parliamentary approval. You still want to disagree? When the president speaks, he annoys us. 
our president will make more sense to us if he's quiet. Because the things that you are quoting the president as having said, which I have known because I sat in parliament and heard him say them and cringe, actually do not make any logical sense. And I would have preferred that the president just came to parliament, nodded his head, stood up and left. That would have made more sense. Now for the president to have spoken blatant untruths before the whole world. I mean, how can the president say that they sustain the economy? That is this economy sustained? An economy where our inflation rate, official inflation rate is 52%, unofficial is 120%. An economy where our city in the space of six weeks lost almost 40% of its value. Does the president understand the use of the words he, 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 the words he uses? Sustained the economy. How do you sustain an economy and the economy is in collapse? The economy is in free fall. How have you sustained an economy and yet you are begging the IMF for three billion? If we don't get it by end of March, God knows what's going to happen to this country. How 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 can you be in such a mess and be pontificating that you have sustained the economy? I mean, what is wrong with our president? Look, we need to we need to let the president know that we have people who have have the capacity of rational thinking in our country. And that and he can he cannot continue to take that for granted and talk down on our intelligence. We we, we seem not to be angry enough. He says they, they gave interventions, water. How many people in Ghana are connected to Ghana water? How many households in Greater Accra are connected to Ghana water? And even the so-called free water that was given, has water has water not been increased, the time for water been increased by sixty percent? Have we not paid more for it? And since COVID came, since 2021, have we not been paying 1% COVID levy on everything that we spent? So did he really give us anything for free? So so do these explanations by the president put to rest, I mean, your push for accountability in the use of COVID-19 funds? Respectfully, this question doesn't even make sense to me. Respectfully, with the greatest bit of respect. I've just explained to you in so many words no i'm asking i am asking because i'm asking the because the president said doesn't make sense so how can it put paid our call for accountability M- Mr. Asam, does, i'm asking does, because i know your minority side in parliament is actually still pushing and in fact your minority leader that's dr kesalato force has said that there's going to be a road show a roadmap in terms of accountability of COVID-19 fans. But despite the fact that you are still pushing, the president says that we should put the matter to rest based on explanations that the ministers of finance and health have given. So I'm just asking, what new thing is the minority going to do this time around? Well, well it's not about the minority, it's our parliament. The Speaker of Parliament has referred the Auditor General's report on COVID-19 expenditure to the Public Accounts Committee. The committee will begin sitting very soon. On, on on those on those on on that report, and we would drill deep and and dig deep into the matters and name and shame the individuals in that report who have fleeced the state and brought us to this place. It is not because the president comes to stand in parliament and speak and spew lies in a cockney accent that would assuage our demands for accountability. This demand for accountability would would go even beyond his government into the next NDC administration to ensure and insist on prosecution of everyone in government 
who have benefited from COVID-19 expenditure. When the president's own, the president's own party candidate, his own parliamentary candidate in the Sanmerugu constituency is on tape as having said that she received COVID-19 funds and there is video evidence of her staring out and doling these monies out like confetti. The president comes to stand there and thinks that he can wash away by mere words of, of his mouth that are not backed by any fact. The fact that he has superintended over the biggest heist from our public purse. We have accused political parties and previous governments of stealing from the public purse. President Akufuado has superintended over stealing the public purse. He hasn't stolen from the purse. He's stolen the purse with his appointees. And he will be held accountable for it with them when the time is right. Very well. Let's move away from COVID-19 expenses and then talk about infrastructure, which you were earlier making some argument on. But in fact, the president said that there is no government in the Fourth Republic that has actually achieved more in terms of infrastructure, in particular roads. In fact, maybe he is saying that because the government, that's the NPP, has completed the Tamale interchange, the Tamale airport, and it has also completed the Pukwase interchange. And in fact, there are also plans to complete the one just here in circle. Of all the projects you just mentioned, the only project that was engineered and started by the Akufuado administration was the Tamale Interchange. The Tamale Airport, phase one, phase two, all had their inception. In fact, phase one was completed under President Mahama. Phase two was started and was 58% complete with all funds secured in 2017. So President Akufuado has no credits to take because he didn't come to secure funds. He didn't bring any agreements to parliament for, for funding for Tamale Phase 2. Obechebi Lamte, my goodness. Again, another Mahama, Mahama, Mahama project with parliament approving. You see, you cannot run away from these things because there's, the hands are there. The dates for the approvals are there. Obechebi Lamte was not him. It was Mahama. That can come in Kuma Circle. Just like the Kaswa interchanges. And so when, when you, you want to give him credit, it must be credit for something he has done, not what he has not done. And that is the question we are asking. In which area can President... I said President Akufado is not even fit to lace the shoes of President Aku, uh, 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 John Ajikun Kufo, not to even talk of John Jamani Mahama, who is in a league of his own. Look, Obada, the president came there today and came to literally run his mouth and brag about achievements that are non-existent. You would have expected that the president would have listed projects that he, his government, had started and he had completed. But he knew that if he did that, we possibly would have stomped him out of parliament because he knows parliament is a house of record. He could not mention projects. You, are, you have tried to even make it palatable for him by trying to mention some projects. He couldn't mention the project because there are no such projects that exist. And so, what infrastructure has President Akufuado built? Ghana well, if you look at his statement, Ghana, he outlined... Uh, you, Ghana, Ghana is not Chebi. And so when, when they look at the fact that even in Chebi, they have done asphalt in the cemetery, he should not assume that that is Ghana. Uh, Mr. Sam George, in fact, in the statement, he's outlined some of the things that he's done. For example, he mentioned uh, that he's increased the number of public libraries from 61 from Independence until 2017 to 115 in 2012, 
provided more equipment to security agencies. He's successfully implemented digital address system. He's also significantly financed the governance of anti-corruption agencies. And it, it lists uh, a, a raft of, you know, some of these things that he said to his credit. Because he mentioned emphatically that beyond the construction of rules, these are some of the things that the NPP government has done. Let me respond to that, as you have mentioned. Purchase of equipment for the military. Ah, do you know what the track record of previous administrations are compared to him? What? He's talking about 140 APCs and 70 Husky vehicles that we have recently acquired. Do you know the number of APCs that were procured under the Mahama administration for, and the Mills administration, even the Rawlings administration for the military? Morale in our military is at its lowest. That's why the military is venting out their anger on innocent citizens across the country like you saw two days ago or yesterday in Ashama. Because morale is so low. Because the, the commander-in-chief has sat back aloof and not cared about the welfare of his men. Digital address system. My goodness. Like they, their own slogan said, Jack, where are you? Let me ask you, for the purposes of this interview and for the purposes of our listeners, how many of our listeners have ever used Uber or used a GPS system? That is the Jack, where are you system or not Google Maps. I ask you, and for every Uber driver that is listening to me through on, your, on 97.3, how many of them are using Ghana Post GPS to carry out their services? So when the president comes to stand there and tell you that he's done Ghana Post GPS, which was a rape of the public test that has served absolutely no, no, no purpose for the Ghanaian economy, you think that that's something we should credit him with? The president is talking about public libraries. My goodness, what did he know about the public library system? That was a project that was commenced under the library's board that was headed, that was a set project of the then second lady, Madame Matilda Emisata. If you get to Kaukuli, there is a library that was completed in 2016. This government refused to open it because they wanted to wait for four years for people to forget that that library just after Gold House at Kaukuli, state of the art, before Zenith Bank was completed, ready for handover, but they kept it under lock and key. You go to Ospokwase, Amataman, there is a library completed with books. Six years has been locked. It's not being used. And he comes to stand here because those are not projects he knows about. So what, what can we really credit him with? He talks about fiber. Jesus Christ. And that his government has laid more fiber. In which country? And also, I don't think the president gave the state of Ghana, the nation, the nation Ghana's address. Because when you're talking about fiber infrastructure in Ghana, the biggest state fiber infrastructure in Ghana is the 700-kilometer fiber optic cable that we call the Eastern Corridor Fiber. That carries fiber all the way from Ho, Yenji, and branches off towards Boku. Built under President Mahama through a Ghanada project. At that time, I was on secondment to the Ministry of Communication under the, the, the ministership of Edward Omani Boama. 700 kilometers, 48 core fiber. He should show me which fiber he has laid. That is up to 700 kilometers. Under that same administration and under the, starting with Haruna Idrisu and then Omani Boama, we had 300 kilometers of metro fiber in Tema and Accra. What has he laid? 
You understand me? When you come to LTE base stations, we set up 119 LTE 4G base stations. When you see the national security operators walking around carrying those big phones that they call Gota phones, the 029, they run on our LTE base station infrastructure that we, we implemented for them. What are they talking about? Mm. Okay. Well, away from the State of the Nation's address, quickly, uh, Mr. Sam George, let me pick your thoughts on this. There is this statement you have cited from your party, that's the NDC. In fact, uh, barring MPs from traveling in the, for the next 23 days uh, because of some issues they have raised. Uh, what can you tell us about uh, this whole move by your party asking you to suspend some campaign activities and also ensure that you remain in Parliament for the next couple of days? Respectfully, I will do that, but just in one minute. Do you realize that the president started his address mm. by saying that we have freedom of expression and that even the diplomatic corps are free to engage in our national conversation? You ask yourself what is wrong with the president. The president forgets that on the 28th of January 2021, just last, uh, 28th of January 2022, last year, yeah. he summoned the diplomatic corps to Pediasi and warned them to stop speaking about corruption in his government. Sternly warned them Yet this is the man who says we have freedom of expression. We'll deal with him properly in the, in the coming days during the debates on the floor. But to the directive by the party, we, we, we have to safeguard our democracy. You have an electoral commission that has gone rogue. And that is aided by, by, by an abetting government, party, political party in government, that seeks to usurp the fundamental right of Ghanaians to vote as enshrined in the 1992 constitution. It is imperative on, on us as members of parliament on the NDC side, even at the peril of our own campaign for our re-election, to stay in parliament and ensure that under no circumstances should we allow the electoral commission, that doesn't know what it is about, come and railroad itself through parliament with the connivance of the majority, because we would have been on the campaign trail. But let me give you a clear example, a clear indication of what this is about. The EC is looking to introduce a new CI. The whole government of that new CI is that they want to use the Ghana card as the sole mode of registering onto the, the voters' register rule. Why are you using the Ghana card? They claim the Ghana card is more robust and that they, in their own system, original EC system, allow for guarantees. The EC came to Parliament with this explanation without knowing that the Ghana card they want to use allows for guarantee system. That is how incompetent and clueless the Electoral Commission is. And if we leave them to continue to play with our democracy, we all stand at risk of not even seeing 2024 a democracy. And so it behoves on us as a party to ensure that we are in Parliament and, decide and make sure that the right things are done and let the EC who claims? I mean, some of the claims of the EC just lets you see how clueless Jean Adukwe Mensa is. She claims that the Garanta system of the Ghana of the National Identification Authority is more robust than the Garanta system of the EC. When the EC is doing a Garanta system, when they are doing registration and people come to guarantee, political parties have representatives at every polling station who are present to challenge the legitimacy of persons claiming to be Ghanaians. During the NIA registration, have you seen any, any political party or any civil society at NIA offices who are challenging eligibility of people? So when you have a system 
where political parties who are stakeholders in our democracy can challenge the eligibility of somebody. Gene Mensah says that is not robust enough. And that a system where you, there is no basis for challenge in real time, that is a more robust system. You have an issue that is thinking backwards. We need to reorient them democracy back on track. Very well. We are grateful. That's Samuel Nati, George, Member of Parliament for the people of Ningo Pram Pram in the Greater Accra region. Let's go on to the other side and pick the thoughts of Member of Parliament for Inshaeso and also Member on the Finance Committee of Parliament, Dr. Stephen Amwa. Well, Doc, good evening to you and thank you for joining us on Eyewitness News. I'm sure you heard what the President said in Parliament. Sam Nati, George, on the minority side has also reacted to some of these issues, especially with the misappropriation of COVID-19 funds. For example, he says that the president's statement makes nonsense the work of the audit service. What is your reaction? Um, thank you very much. My regards to our um, listeners this evening, but I need to clear this point. I think the use of um, propaganda or deception in our contemporary politics uh, should be <laughs> taken serious because uh, misinformation leads to arbitrary decisions and that destroys every country in the world. That when people make decisions out of deception and lies. Let me correct this thing. Um, my brother, um, who just spoke, my NDC brother, Sam George, spoke about um, as optic fiber. I am surprised. I am shocked. Just listen to this. 14th August 2007, President Kofu performed ceremony to begin work on broadband project. Just listen. President John Ajikun Kofu on Monday performed the ceremony to mark the formal commencement of work on the $70 million landmark national communications backbone transmission project to provide broadband for countrywide deployment of ICT. The project involved the laying of optic fiber across a distance of 1,900 kilometers to link all the 10 regions. Go and check this as a matter of fact. Go and check this. So if you hear the way my very good brother, he's my brother and my friend, the way he's even using insolent words and speaking as if he has facts, I'm shocked. I am very shocked. I, these days, I'm trying to change a little bit. But when these statements are made, you are forced to also make comparative statements. He's asking what the Kufuade has to show. I am shocked. In my constituency, about 26 communities, I can tell you almost 20 of the communities, about 90 to 20, either the roads are done completely or major works are going on in share. So go and check. Send your reporters there. Now, between in Sawam, and I think is it a pleasure or so? Forgive me if I get it wrong. I use oh, just about 20 uh, uh, minutes because the roads are done. Between Accra and Kumasi, one of the most important roads in Ghana because it links, about, it links Upper Volta or is it, uh, Burkina Faso, even Ivory Coast and other parts where Western region and all those places bring food to the southern Ghana. What did they add? They didn't even add one kilometer. I don't want to go because there are crises. And so we have crises in our country and we want to solve this problem. That's where our focus is. And sometimes I don't want to do this comparative analysis. Mm. All that the NDC wants to talk about is to use the session to tell Ghanaians that they've done infrastructure for where? 
NDC and PP, they all do infrastructure. I think my government has done far better than them. In any case, as 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 as, as a social democratic party that they are supposed to do a lot of pro poor policies. Tell me one pro poor policy of national character in this year. Do you know why they can't do that? Because that one you don't you can't easily get loans <laughs> to do it. You can't get loans. You need to manage internal economy well, get excesses to do that. I don't want to go in there because as social democrats, you haven't done even one. Then you come back to a whole lot of issues going on in our country today about debt to GDP, interest payment. They are making look interest payment started increasing from 2012 to 2016. Go and check the facts from World Bank report from 2016. And then it started decreasing. 2016 started decreasing 17, 18. Then 19 it started going up again. <laughs> But, but, but Dr. Stephen Amor, let, let me bring you back to my main question that I asked you about the misappropriation of COVID-19 funds and then uh, the publication of the report from the Auditor General as far as uh, that issue is concerned. Well, the President indicated that it was wrong and erroneous for anyone to assign criminality on as to how governments uh, uh, used the COVID-19 funds. And the minority, for example, that has been pushing for a probe into the same subject matter today says that President Ekufado's explanations and justifications do not bode well for anti-corruption in the country. My brother, COVID-19, in the first place, I also think I want the media to do us a great deal of favor as a country. When there are controversial issues, please go deeper, not with you or to you, I beg you, the whole Ghana, so that we can just draw curtains and bring such issues to rest so that Ghanaians will know we are speaking the truth. This government thing, thing. we've been debating back and forth in Parliament. Even the finance minister came, they made very, I mean, vivid statement with the figures and facts. They were there, we were there. And they approved, we together approved even the 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 the, 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 the statement. I mean the financial statement of the state, the budget. And there was part of it. But let me tell you this. Go and read PFM Act 2016 at 921 section 18. Instead three conditions under which even our fiscal rules and policies, what are fiscal rules and policies? Upon consultation should be suspended. One is war, two natural disaster. Three is health epidemic. Go and check. That's it too. At times that we are even dying, you want every bit of the activity to go through all the, when we're dying, when we're talking about this, we're putting pressure even on the government to do everything it can to get vaccines and other things so that Ghanaians will not die. But in the same report, some of these vaccines, we are told, are yet to be delivered. There are also payments being made for the purchase of ambulances, for example, they are yet to be delivered. I'm not saying that if the money was misused, somebody should go scot-free. But let me tell you, what is the procedure in this country? We have public account committee, don't we? We do. Some of these things have to go there. They will ask further questions for clarity or clarification and other things. Then, if anything, will bring to parliament. Where are we? Even when they have not even done what they were supposed to do, my brothers from the NDC have taken pre-judicial positions because they wanted to do policies. No, it, it was because of the explanation the NPP gave at the time that we should allow the Auditor General to do the probe. And until the but Auditor but General does the probe... Auditor General was not allowed to do? Who has prevented Auditor General to do his work? No, Auditor no. General has its mandate, and it does it every day. And when it gets its results, we take it to public account committee, so they ask questions from what they bring out, whoever is involved to answer and bring further clarity 
or clarification before we draw curtains and whether if there should be recommendation or punishment or yes and in fact they case. did that and cited no, a number of case. violations no is that not the case but what about the violations no, they cited what is, what is violation no, so, what is say violation what is, so the public account committee has has actually interrogated those who are involved and they have just concluded that they are violations they couldn't answer their questions and we know in this country that auditor general does a lot of things and then when it goes to public account committee, they get clarity with material evidence to say that, oh, it was the other way or this. Have we not in this country we've seen that? My brother, if the NDC guys are taking this position, I'm not surprised. Problem people would have not saved in our country because they want power. But the fact of the matter is that do we have to continue recycling these behaviors when NDC they are there, when MPP they are there because we want power and the nation is always being where it is. Is it what we all want? I'm asking the media. I can't say there has been corruption or no corruption when it comes to this issue. I won't come and lie. But I think the right procedures in line with the constitution and the laws of the land should be allowed to take its course and get to the final conclusion. And then we know this thing has happened. The person has been dealt with by court of whatever competence to jail the person or otherwise to find guilty or not. But it's not when people want to embark on political capital hunting and, and, and they want power because of political capital. They want to go on and lying and stating all sorts of things. I am asking a simple question. The PFM Act, what does it say in times such as this? Is it really in line with what my brothers, the NDC gentlemen, are doing or they just want power? We can't do this to ourselves. Okay. We cannot do this to ourselves. We, we will see how this development will unfold in the coming days, but I'm we are grateful to you, Dr. Stephen Amor. No, I beg one statement. Please find out whether the optic fiber was before who actually opened that with $70 million thing, or it was the NDC guys that did, as my brother, some of these controversial issues. Find solutions so that we know MPP guys, we are lying or NDC, they are lying. We can continue recycling some of these arguments. The NDC will come, MPP will come, and the media will not find the truth and let Ghanaian know that, oh, Steve Nama, what you said was no, so this is the fact. Then we left it to rest. Okay. Most of the things my brothers are talking about, I'm not saying they are always wrong. No, I won't say that. But most of the times, it's just for sheer political capital gains. Okay, Dr. Stephen Amar, we want to leave it here. We are grateful for sharing your thoughts with Thank us. That's a member of parliament for NSHISO uh, and also member of the Finance Committee of Parliament. Uh, this is still Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. In return, we have some other stories here for you. Don't go away. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. My name is Nila Tilati here with Netili. Neti Ajahu. Uh, let's bring you more stories this evening and then take you to the camp of the National Democratic Congress. They have uh, issued a statement and in fact declared an operation which has been uh, described as Operation Save Our Democracy. Uh, they are asking members of parliament on the minority side to stay in parliament from now to the 31st of March and also uh, members of parliament who are seeking re-election in, the te- in terms of parliamentary primaries to so also stay away from their campaign during that same period. Uh, let's get more explanations from the party itself and speak to the general, the Deputy General Secretary 
of the party, Mustafa Gbande. He joins us on the line. Well, uh, Mr. Gbande, thank you for joining us on Eyewitness News. Uh, what more can you tell us about this whole operation, Save Your Democracy, that you've launched and asking your MPs to stay away from campaigns and also make sure they are in Parliament from now till the 31st of uh, March? Thank you very much, and thank you to your cherished listeners. Um, I think that basically the operation Save Our Democracy is um, necessitated by the fact that um, the NDC um, realized that we are in very dangerous times, taking into account the behavior, posturing, and activities of this government, an adult regime. And so it's important that we also understand that the democracy that we practice is deserved shaping by acts of parliament or activities of parliament. And so we need IMPs to stand up and to play a very critical role in restoring or saving our democracy, which has been destroyed by this government. It is clear that an adult-led government does not operate within the jurisdictions of rule of law. They do not uphold human rights, respect for anybody's rights. They do things that champion their interests. And to the largest extent, you'll see the extent to which citizens of Ghana and their opinion and their actions do not longer matter in the scheme of things of this government. And so we are saying that going forward, we need IMPs play a very critical role. And the objective or the essence of a very strong political party of the NDC that have led a very strong foundation of the democracy of Ghana would like to ensure that we have our members playing a critical role at this time to preserve that democracy. One, they would ensure that they pay attention to what this government is doing in Parliament to the best ensure that what is not practicable to the ordinary Ghanaian, what is not good to the ordinary Ghanaian will stand against it, even if this government would like to do it. It should be stated that we did not take part of it, we don't sanction it, and we don't want to be responsible for what is going on. And so it's a demonstration of the fact that the government, the Ghanado-led regime, is taking this country on a very dangerous path. And as political parties, our duty is to shape in this democracy which has developed this country. So basically, that is what the directive says. And also, because we find ourselves um, organizing our primaries, we want MPs to have a lot more concentration in parliament. And so it's important that we issue a directive to ensure that activities in their constituencies do not attract the attention to the extent that they can no longer concentrate on what is nationalistic, what is in the interest of Ghana, what to preserve Ghana, and what to protect the citizens of Ghana. And I think the NDC is doing that. But if that's actually the case, why put timelines to it that between uh, 7th March uh, to 31st March 2023, they should be abiding by this uh, particular directive. Out of that date, they are free to do so. They are free to do whatever they are expected to do. It means that, um, don't also forget that we we are clearly managed by intelligence as a political party. And we have very strong intelligence 
on the activities of government. Government normally smuggles things through parliament and execute them against Ghanaians. And so we want to get our members of parliament to be gatekeepers of the activities of government as far as parliament is concerned. So, so what, what intelligence sure. have you gathered? What are the things you are suspecting government to smuggle through during these periods? You, you will see clearly and the time will come. It will manifest itself. But you can be very sure that we have assembled gatekeepers to ensure that we speak against the mysterious and corrupt activities of this government and to ensure that we can stop the things they do against the people of Ghana. One, we will not sit down in this country for the Renato-led regime to use a woman of Jin Mensah to undermine the voting system, the rights of Ghanaians that we have. She intends to say that you cannot use um, any other means to get to the voters' register except you have um, a national identification card. We have been saying that we are not there yet. It's a good suggestion. The timing is wrong. We are saying that the NIA is not prepared. As we speak, if you go to every constituency, you realize that the district offices of the NIA is not operational. They cannot produce cards. The NIA itself admits that it owes its financiers, institutions that have invested money into the card system, are being owed to mm. a tune of about $100 million. Mm. Uh, that, that's explanation uh, both the NI and, in fact, the Electoral Commission, that's the Electoral Management Body, have provided when they appeared in Parliament a few days ago. But, uh, Mr. Gbande, we want to wish the party well in its operation. Let's see how things will unfold in the coming days. But we are grateful for going to explain these issues to us here on Eyewitness News. That's Mustafa Bande, Deputy General Secretary of the Opposition National Democratic Congress. Still on Eyewitness News, we have more for you. But next, when we come back, we have business with Netele Netajau. Stay with us. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. Let's settle for the details. President Akufado has justified the goal for oil policy, arguing that it was timely to save the country from the spike in fuel prices at the pumps. Vice President Mahamudu Balmia had previously announced the program to enable the government to pay for imported oil products through direct butter using gold purchased by the central bank. This move aimed at helping the bulk oil distribution companies tackle the forex challenge. Speaking during the State of the Nation address, President Akufado said the policy has already shown positive results throughout the country. The gold purchase program by the Bank of Ghana and the goal for oil policy are creative uses of our resources, which are already bearing fruit. These policies are aimed at achieving two results that are critical to the health of our economy. Firstly, they'll help us preserve foreign exchange, especially the U.S. dollar. And secondly, they will enable us to stabilize the price of oil products such as petrol and diesel, on the domestic market. We have already seen some success on both fronts. The price of U.S. dollars and petroleum 
products falling since we announced the policy in, and began to implement it. The average price of petrol at the pump, which had risen to 20 CDs a liter in the middle of December 2022, is now 13 CDs and 80 pesos a liter. President Akufaru speaking there. As part of efforts to support a sustainable future, the Ghana Stock Exchange has stated that it is poised to roll out more measures to ensure listed companies adhere to the guidance manual for disclosures on environmental, social and governance ESG reporting. This, the exchange maintains, will help Ghanaian companies be more accountable for the impact of the operations on the environment. Speaking of the Burses, Ring the Bell for Gender Equality Program on International Women's Day, Managing Director of the GSE, Abna Amwa, also assured of implementing measures to correct gender balances in companies listed on the local bears. Women and girls in Ghana, indeed across the globe, who are innovating and using technology to champion climate and sustainable initiatives, need to be celebrated and inspire the next generation women change leaders, and that is why we ring the bell for them today. The GSE is on, is on course with our own sustainability journey, and I'd like to highlight three key initiatives. Last year, we launched our ESG Disclosure Guidance Manual, and we also launched our Rules for Green Gender Sustainability Theme Bonds. Our ESG Manual provides the guidelines for companies and indeed the stock exchange itself to report on our ESG activities. While the green, gender, and sustainability theme bond rules prescribes the guidelines for institutions to list green and sustainable bonds on the exchange and for investors to buy such products. The GSE was also admitted into the UN Sustainability Stock Exchange Initiative and we are very proud that we have joined a network of exchanges around the world committed to promoting sustainable development. Abna Amwa is the Deputy Managing Director of the Ghana Stock Exchange. The Consumer Protection Agency is calling on the Public Utility Regulatory Commission, PURC, to announce a favorable adjustment of utility prices in the interest of consumers in its second quarter announcement for 2023. The PURC on 1st February increased utility tariffs for water and electricity by about 30 and 8% respectively. The regulator had indicated that the move was to cushion utility service providers from the rise in their cost of operations. Addressing a press conference in Accra, the CEO of the agency, Kufi Kapitu, however, stated that his outfit will not hesitate to take legal action against the PURC to give consumers equal attention. As a regulator, emphasis is on PURC. Who is the regulator? Time has come that the regulator should be made to understand that their role was double sword thing. They cut left and they cut right. If you've allowed the utilities to increase, we are encouraging PRC that very soon they will come up with the second quarter review of utilities. And we are telling them that the CP and the people of Ghana is also looking forward that before they come up with a second quarter increase, we should see some improvement of the delivery by the utilities. This time, the CPA, the Consumer Protection Agency, is going to be watching as to the performance of the utilities, as to how much we have agreed to pay 
in the first quarter, if they don't merit, if the supply doesn't improve, if the services don't improve, the CPA will not hesitate. Before this announcement is made, go to court and seek an injunction to mandate the regulator. Kofi Kapito is the chief executive of the Consumer Protection Agency. Chief Commercial Officer and Head of the One District One Factory Program at the Ministry of Trade and Industry, Kofi Addo, is proposing the implementation of the single currency eco amongst countries in West Africa which have met the criteria. Since its inception in 2003, ECOWAS leaders have postponed on, on a number of occasions the launch of the single currency as some countries have been unable to meet the criteria, which includes reducing budget deficits, curbing inflation rate, and reducing debt-to-GDP ratio. Speaking to City Business News on the sidelines of the regional's consultation on migration, mobility and trade, Kofi Addo noted that having a common currency will help eliminate challenges faced by small-scale cross-border traders in the region. The common currency is a good idea and it's something that all the governments are aware of, that it needs to come on board. But the question is when? So I believe the ECOWAS Secretariat, the monetary policy that used to be headed by Dr. Kofi Kulandu Apraku and all the people will be able to work and make sure that we're able to attain some minimum requirements so that some countries can start. It's just like the African continental free trade. When we started, it's not all the 54 African countries that signed onto it. We needed to start with some countries and others saw the need and came on board. If we could also start with three or four countries, then others will see the need that a common currency facilitates trade and it reduces all the smuggling and other things associated with it. Kofi Addo is the Chief Commercial Officer and Head of the One District One Factory Program at the Ministry of Trade and Industry. And that's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was powered by your most comprehensive business website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Netelinete Ajaho. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. CTFM, this is all eyewitness news. Time now for Point Blank. And tonight we take you back to the issue that happened in Ashaman earlier this week. After some officers of the Ghana Armed Forces unleashed mayhem to some residents in the area. Following the killing of one of their officers. This morning, the Ghana Armed Forces actually released a statement ostensibly justifying that particular military deployment. Tonight, on point blank, we pick the thoughts of the Dean and Director of Academic Affairs at the Ghana Armed Forces Command, Professor Vladimir Inchidanso. 
good evening to you prof and thank you for joining us on point blank on eyewitness news i'm sure you've seen the statement from the ghana armed forces really explaining the issue and also uh, defending the deployment of the military and then the action that happened thereof from where we sit as uh, someone who is into the security space does this statement actually raise your eyebrows thank you for having me um raising of eyebrow no the statement was clear uh let me have a caveat here whatever i'm saying is my own opinion and does not represent where i work or whatever association i belong to mm. my own candid opinion the point is that they had to explain what went wrong and why they had to be there and that is very important if they had kept silent that would have been that would have rather raised the eyebrow you're talking about but right now they were clear on equivocal in what happened and why they had to go there and that they went there based on intelligence and remember we have the military intelligence wing of the ghana armed forces and so if they had gathered intelligence that within the periphery of the operational area there are some hoodlums who may have committed this uh, they had the swoop police normally do, do that they take a perimeter and they get a swoop round up people and then they are they are able to get some miscreants so the statement was clear that that's exactly what they did they handed over to the military the police to screen them and then hand over the rest to the police for further investigation so the statement was very clear and unequivocal but the question on the minds of many is the fact that in as much as the ghana armed forces as they explain in their statement was there uh, on an intelligence-led operation in fact to fish out the perpetrators of this heinous crime the manner in which they went about their activities is what uh, a lot of Ghanaians are really asking if you want to find out persons who are behind a particular crime do you subject uh, citizens based on the videos at least that we have seen people were being beaten to pop others were being lashed others were made to lie on the floor is that how really the ghana armed forces goes about when it has to do with some of these things well the armed forces have their own modus operandi and if they they go wrong there there are rules applying to even the application of force and so their own would be able to find out whether what went on was right or wrong anytime there's an operation even the bullets that you are given you got to account for it and so i'm thinking that that's not the end of the matter that uh, they, they have done what they have to do and, and that is it there will have to be a complete report about the operation the operational commander will have to give a sit rep a situational report and the hierarchy will be able to deal with it as as by uh, military rules and regulations but over time, has this particular mode of operation yielded the results uh, based on what you have been able to gather in terms of your expertise as far as some you of mean, these issues you mean are concerned? the operation? Yes. It's too early. The police do a, a swoop in an area and it takes weeks before they are, get, they are able to, you know, the ability also said that they found some um, things that were untoward, uh, leaves that were suspected to be cannabis and other things, weapons and things like that. Uh, so all these things would have to be analyzed. And then, so to think that only yesterday something happened and today the result is there, I don't think we are being fair. Uh, let's see how it pans out. 
No, I'm not asking about uh, whether they've been able to make some inroads. I'm just asking generally if the military goes about their activities, just as we've seen in Ashaman, uh, where some uh, uh, innocent people we are made to understand are made to suffer this particular kind of human rights abuse, as many want to put it. Really, do they get the results that they intend to achieve at the end of the day? That's what I'm asking. Well, every military operation has an object, objective, you know, and they target a certain object. They say, we know that something is sitting here. We're going for it. So that's a target. And they cordon the area as a theater. Within the theater, you fight to get the object. Anything in your way is an obstacle. So with the military uh, kind of uh, psychology, they go in with precision, target the object, get the object. And, and let us also not uh, uh, forget that in the military, they don't lose their people just by heart like that. Even when the person is dead at war, just check the Ukrainian war. When somebody is dead, they have search and rescue operations. Even even the body is needed because they need the body in order to account for the dead. So search and rescue operations will be done at any point in time when there is a, they claim that a body of a military man has been found somewhere. They will do the search and rescue operation. Either the person is not dead and they rescue the person or they search and find the body and bring the body to their own. But where do we stand in the debate, uh, uh, proponents who say that the police should have actually uh, lead, uh, the police should have actually led this particular operation, because it's an investigation that uh, will bring out the perpetrators of these crimes. And so, I strongly mm. suspect you ask me directly, yes, where I stand. I don't have a stand, but where I, where I, what I know to say is this: that yes, it is a police operation. It's a civilian thing. And the civil authority on this issue should be the police. There's no question about that. But I have always said that we are not policing very well. I love the Ghana Police. It's a very wonderful organization. But one, we need to restructure the police in such a way that these things become uh, things of the past. First, the police strength should be should be augmented astronomically. I mean, the point is, is that we have about 33,000 of them. They are still inadequate. We need about fifty to 60,000 police. And then the barracking concept of policing should, should end. We need police that are in the community. Policemen should stay in the communities. That Ashama community should have people who are staying in houses that are within the community. Then the miscreants are known. You know, so policing becomes easy. When the police want to swoop, their own men are within the community. If we have men in the police, if we increase the police force, and we, we resource them properly, including the use of intelligence. Even the BNI must also be within the police circles where the police are living. If we expand the work of the, uh, the, uh, the territory of the police in their work, I believe these things, the military will not be able to be coming in the way we... It's only when the police are overwhelmed that the military will be called in. That's the order in every uh, society. But if you have a scanty police force, ill-equipped, uh, placed at places distant from crime and that kind of thing. This is what will happen when the military believes that they don't have to wait on the police. So we must look at that angle also very well. The third angle we have to look at, my brother, is the very fact of indiscipline in our society. If 13, 12-year-old children are able to make a video insulting the head of state and they felt good to send it out there, then you know where we are going, you know? So there's so much indiscipline within our society in such a way that these things are bound to happen if we don't kill indiscipline. So much indiscipline. Driver indiscipline. Everybody. Everybody is just indiscipline. Media indiscipline. Everywhere. 
And when you do that, there are miscreants who who use the opportunity to say that ah, we're going to be and you'll be here. And they do what they do. Even if you have even caught somebody, whether it's in police uniform or military uniform, and you doubt, you call the police. That is where constitutionalism works, that we all believe in the Constitution. Today, nobody believes in the Constitution of Ghana. We are now uh, post-anti-reaction are saying human rights and whatnot. Why didn't we pre prevent this? Why are we not law-abiding ourselves? So that when you see somebody in a, a bad whatever it is, you call the police first. The police will come in to take the matter up. Quite recently, not long ago, you remember that young man, very young, budding man, working with a cocoa board also, went to the village. The mother was dead. He was transporting the the, the cops mm. to to Accra also, just to for for keep at the mob. You know, he was lynched in one of the villages in the central region. His car was burnt. The mother's body. I mean, it's, this is barbarism. Let us assume that this man were a soldier. This is what would happen. Because when the police suspected that he had killed somebody and put the body in the trunk, citizens of a, a democratic country, what we have to do is to call the police. You don't kill the man, burn his car, and, you know, that thing was very also barbaric. So if we are barbaric, why do we say the military is barbaric? I'm very, very, very much worried about this third angle. The third angle where we should all be law-abiding and we should all be disciplined. Let's help to get Ghana more disciplined because we are so undisciplined, you know. In, in as much as you want to instill discipline to strengthen the social fabric uh, of, of society, and then if you have the military beating up people, that's actually where the major source of worries, uh, Prof. I agree that that's a major source of worry. I'm worried myself. It's a major source of worry. I say, but I'm saying if we want to prevent this, then let the society be a constitutional society, a society where people know their rights but know their obligations too. We know our rights, but we know our obligations. And then let us have institutions of state that are well-resourced to take care of these things. Other than that, we'll be seeing these. That, 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 that's the bottom line. If we are undisciplined, the whole society is undisciplined, then the military and the police and everybody will be undisciplined. You know? Mm. That's what I'm talking about. Very well, Prof. We are grateful for your time here with us on Point Blank on Eyewitness News. That's Professor Vladimir Enchidan, Sudin and Director of Academic Affairs at the Ghana Armed Forces Command. <laughs>
and get to the dancing floor and have a whole lot of fun uh, tonight. But it's day five of the Heritage Caravan already. You have two more days uh, before you come back to Accra. Tomorrow, uh, where will you be visiting and what will really be the plans for day six? We would be moving from uh, Sunyani to the next location, which will be Takra, the uh, to be precise. And at that particular place, we would be having dinner as well. Aside the dinner, there are other activities part uh, to take place in that particular venue. You know, we are in Ghana month or um, the Heritage Month. Mm. Uh, we, and we are making we it Ghana. Are trying to promote uh, made in Ghana products for that matter. Uh, we are going to dress down, and by dressing down, I mean the dressing down the traditional way and going, uh, uh, I mean, uh, formal, where we're going to have dinner and uh, have fun and uh, keep the enthusiasm going until we get to Cape Coast and return to Accra roughly by Friday uh, evening. So from the northern part of the country, you are gradually moving to the southern part. Exactly the case, me. Um, like, um, if I can run us through the detail, we started from the from Greater Accra region mm. and went to Volta region to precise, uh, precisely Amejofe, where we went for Mount uh, the Canopy Walk, and then from there went to the Royal Century Hotel, where we had the Pampa Band join us for that particular evening session. Uh, it was. Uh, an eventful night that evening. We moved from that end to another hotel in the Ashanti region, uh, specifically at Ejisu. And uh, from there, before then, we went to the Borwick Kente Centre where the European Union in Ghana actually supported a young man to uh, start his own Kente weaving uh, session. So, uh, in effect, from that end, from the Ashanti region, we moved straight to the uh, northern region, but precisely the upper east region. It was quite a long drive that day. And so far on the caravan, we would say for two consecutive uh, days, we've been traveling uh, a very long distance. And it's been quite uh, an eventful one. We're traveling and seeing the countryside. And everywhere we get to, patrons are able to buy one or two items and helping in one way or the other, boosting the local economy, uh, because if they purchase any item, that is adding value uh, to the local economy and uh, those who are also engaging in petty trading. Mm. And, and, and that's the investment bit of what you're actually doing. Yeah, come again. I'm saying that that's actually the investment bit of what you are doing here at CTFM and CTFM. The whole plan is to make it Ghana uh, as far as investment is concerned, tourism is concerned, and uh, film, film is concerned. So, like at the Red Clay, for instance, at Ibrahim Mahama, the artist place in Somali, for instance, we had cultural troops uh, come in, uh, take turn to entertain our patrons, and it was also uh, an awesome night we had at that particular uh, place yesterday evening before uh, taking off this dawn to uh, Sunyani as we currently speak we are on the way to Sunyani. Very well thank you so much that's for Duho City News reporter on the Heritage Caravan uh, telling us more on day five of the whole trip and that's it for tonight's edition of Eyewitness News it came to you live from our studios at number 11 
Dr. Martin Loop in Adabraka here in Accra. We return again tomorrow at exactly 5.30 p.m. My name is Ni Late Late. The show was produced by Kobna Wilson, Beverly London, and then Sami. We have a technical support from Daniel Squashi. Thank you so much for your company. Visit citynewsroom.com for more stories and have a good night. Hotline on 0302-224959 and get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM and on Twitter at City 973.